Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf. In this week's episode, the first quarterly roundup of the best books I've read so far this year. Keep listening to find out what books you need to be adding to your bookshelf in 2022. Welcome back. I'm your host, Steph Clark, and each week I share with you the three big ideas from the best non-fiction books that I've been reading and do the reading so you don't have to. This week, though, something a little bit different. It is my quarterly roundup. If you may remember last year, if you're a long-time listener, hello, thank you, welcome back. If you're a long-time listener, you'll know that last year I did this every quarter. I shared my favourite books of the quarter. I just found that it was slightly nicer to do it this way than waiting to the year, end of the year and doing a big just one year's worth of best books. I like to kind of do the, do the ones as we went through the quarters and the years because sometimes I found that I'd get to the end of the year, the last couple of years before that, and I was like, oh, there's too many I want to include. And it's easy to forget some of the good ones that I had read. So here we go. This is what I'm doing. Hopefully you find it useful and just sort of spark some good reading interest for you as we're going through the year. I've got some public holidays coming up, some school holidays, and I know that you may be taking a bit of time off at least for the public holidays as well. So maybe this gives you some inspiration of some books to pick up during that little break you might be having. You might notice I'm sounding slightly nasally still. Yes, I had the spicy cough, as we're calling it here in Australia, or a COVID, as it's commonly known. So I do sound a bit weird still as I'm still recovering. Luckily, I've got a few days away in the next few days, actually. I'm going away tomorrow morning and looking forward to a few days of fresh coastal air and relaxing. I'm taking a low-tech break, so... Spotify will be allowed, Google Maps is allowed, but really that's about it. No emails. I've set a very strict out of office for myself saying that people won't hear back from me until I am back. Yeah, and going away with some books. Kindle was obviously allowed as well, of course, uh, but I am taking a couple of hard copy books with me as well to enjoy. So looking forward to that. Hopefully it'll give me some new favourite books to talk about at the end of next quarter. But anyway, for all of that, let's get into the five books. And of course, because I'm because I'm me and these this is my this is my podcast and my rules. It's not just five books, there's a bonus sixth one as well. But anyway, here are the best books that I've been reading this quarter in no particular order. Some of these I've spoken about already. One of them certainly I'm talking about or I will be talking about in the next couple of weeks. So I'll link to those as well for the ones I have already talked about. So if you miss those episodes, you can go back and listen to them and find out more information about those books and why I like them so much. All right, the first book, I'm going to start, I'm going to do this actually chronologically. So the first book that I loved this year was actually the first book I read this year. Uh, I don't think that's a primacy primacy bias. I think it actually generally was an excellent book. Is Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. And I'm finding that more and more actually reading books, and as the more books I read, I find that the ones that I... Finding the most interesting are novel and have something different. They're giving a different perspective. They've done different research. They've usually done some kind of primary research themselves. And they're talking about something that I just find fascinating. So, and and the test of this is also the ones that I can't stop talking about to other people about. And this is certainly one of them. So Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. It's all about how our focus and our attention is diminishing, but it's not actually all of our fault. And there's a lot of literature and articles and books out there that suggest that we are our own worst enemy. And of course, there is an element of personal responsibility and he's he's not saying that's not the case. But this book really goes into the systems that are not really acting in our best interests when it comes to attention, when it comes to our health, our well-being and our ability to concentrate on focus on things. So yes, there's a big part of this book that's about the technology industry, you know, in the big players, Google, Facebook, etc. 
and the systems and processes and things they're putting in place to make sure that we stay pretty hooked on their particular bits of technology. And yes, we can turn our notifications off, but that's probably not going to help the fact that that's not how the systems are built. Uh, But it also talks about things like food systems, climate, pollution, the environment and other things that are diminishing our health and our ability to focus and our brain function and things as well. I found the book really fascinating. It was quite miserable in places, but Johan's writing is, is really... It's very hopeful. It's very funny in places as well. And I just love his journalism style and his obviously his writing style with that. So highly, highly recommend that book. If you're finding that you just feel like you're fighting a losing battle with your attention span, then this is this is a really interesting book to read to give you some different food for thought for that. So that's the first book, Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. I have talked about this one, so I'll pop a link to that in the show notes to make sure you go back and listen to that one if you haven't already. The second book in, again, in chronological order of the books I've loved so far this year is I Didn't Do the Thing Today by Madeline Dorr. Firstly, I think that's going to be the best title of a book I ever read is I Didn't Do the Thing Today. And it's all about fighting productivity guilt. Madeline talks about how we need to let go of the idea of the to-do list. We need to let go of our bucket list and some of those other things that we are fixated on in modern society generally driven by things like capitalism certainly late stage capitalism about what is what it is to live a good life being very productivity based and how we just need those some breaks in our day we need to think of us be more kind to ourselves when it comes to productivity and let go of that productivity guilt that many of us carry in believing that even our rest time has to be productive. I'm certainly guilty of that. I mean, even the trip I've just told you I'm going on, I'm planning to go and read some stuff, which I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if how much of that is that I feel like I need to still be doing something productive while I rest, but also I genuinely genuinely and generally enjoy reading. So I don't know, maybe that's a good or a bad example. I'm not sure. Anyway, the book is beautifully written. You can tell that Madeline is a writer. And I I think with all of these books that I'm going to talk about, they all have a slightly different style and perspective than than the normal, I suppose, a lot of business kind of subject matter expert books, which are written kind of clinically and quite technically in, in some ways. Madeline is a writer and you can really tell that in the, the prose and the way she puts the book together. It's almost like a novel in terms of the, the, the writing style. So that in itself is quite a joy to read and something quite different that requires a different, a different type of reading, I found, which is which is really nice when it comes to non-fiction books because you don't often get that so that's i didn't do the thing today by madeline Dorr. also has an exceptionally good front cover certainly the uk and australian version anyway i did talk about that a few months ago so i will put a link to that in the show notes as well third book that i read that i loved this year was this working life by my friends lisa leong and monique ross now this isn't biased just because i got a mention in the book from uh, from an interview that i had done with lisa and monique a couple well actually last year in 2021 promise it's not because of that but the book is just great because it's i mean it's one of my favorite topics around work and thinking about work more creatively it talks about career and how we can be thinking about our career in a more more lateral way rather than just this old school get a job get promoted work our way up that kind of thing maybe maybe move to another company but keep going in this quite linear path so it is 
yes, it is about how to rethink what good looks like when it comes to work, when it comes to your career, how to be quite creative in your skill build as well. And I loved the way, or some of the examples that Lisa shares from her career, particularly that she has quite a, you know, a slashy career or a portfolio career where she does radio DJing. She also does innovation work. She also is, was a lawyer previously as well. So she's taken all these sideways paths and but really seen how each of those feeds each other. And I love some of the examples she used when she first got into radio DJing and how she really jumped into it and thought really laterally around how to build an audience, how to get experience and really just showed up and thought very differently and creatively about how to do that. So I found that super inspiring. I'm still thinking about some of those examples that she shared and how I can apply those to some of the things that I'm doing at the moment and thinking bigger and differently about in my own business and work and, and life, etc. So it's a great book. It will, I think it will really challenge a lot of people who are still thinking quite traditionally about career, not only maybe their own careers, but maybe those working for them. Maybe you are a little bit older, you've been working for a little bit longer and you've taken a more traditional career path and either you want to do something different yourself or you're quite challenged in mentoring coaching leading people who are younger and maybe are thinking about their career slightly differently or how to best fit people into your organization where who have taken a different career path so it's a really joyful book as well it's very fun they've done some really creative things with the book any as well with uh, they've actually got an ep that relates to the books so they employed a singer or a composer a musician to create some songs that bring the lessons and bring the ideas from the book to life as well. So it's just, a, again, a really nice example of thinking differently in a genre that can be a little bit dry and boring. So yeah, big fan of Lisa and Monique's work with that and also the book itself. Highly recommend. Again, it's one I've spoken about, so I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Okay, book number four. This is the first time I think I've included an audiobook in my top books of the quarter. This is... And in the week I'm recording this, a slightly controversial choice, but it is Will by Will Smith and Mark Manson. This is one I haven't spoken about in the podcast and I might not actually, I might not. I did do a review of it in my bookmark newsletter. So did that, I think back in February. So if you have not signed up to the bookmark newsletter, you're missing out on some of these reviews of books that I might not actually be covering on the podcast. So you can hop on over to the link at the top of the show notes to go back to read those previous editions, but also to sign up to receive those straight to your inbox. Anyway, Will by Will Smith. I listened to the audiobook, which I think for autobiographies, memoirs written by the person and narrated by the person is the best way to read them. And Will narrates this himself. So you get that extra enjoyment of actually hearing it from the person's mouth and you feel like they're telling telling these stories to you directly. Funnily enough, when you see what happened this week at the Oscars overlaid with having recently listened to the book, you think, oh, okay, some of that does make a bit of sense given what I've read. But let's put all of that aside because I do want to talk about just the book. The book is fantastic. It is a really honest look at Will's life, some of the really hard things that happened, some pretty dark stuff that had happened, some of the times that he really has not shown up as the the man or the human he wants to be, and some pretty, again, honest accounts by his own account of what his misgivings were, what he did wrong, and how that shaped what he did next or what he didn't do next in some cases. Also how his his relationships, and I think there's a there's some really interesting stuff there around the different relationships he's had throughout his career, throughout his life, and how he has built a team around him and how that is run in a very efficient, productive way to get to really get things done 
you can tell Mark Manson's influence in the book as well because the the lessons are very clear without being completely signposted like in something like A Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey, which was very much like, here is the lesson. It is on a bumper sticker, literally. (laughs) Here is is what I think about this. Wills were a lot more subtle, but very, very clear at the same time, thinking about the the key ideas or the the mantras he lives by or the rules he lives by or, or that he runs his team with, but also some of the ways that that those have come about and the way that then he applies those into different situations as well. One of the stories I particularly enjoyed was the advice he got from Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger about becoming the best, the biggest movie star in the world. And they said, you just got to get out of America. You've got to go like to be the biggest movie star in the world. You've got to get out into the world and not just rely on, on the US market. So he did that and he, he wanted to be bigger and better than what Tom Cruise's promotion schedule was. And he realized that Tom Cruise was actually some kind of machine or Martian. So that was impossible. So he decided to use his other skills, which was his singing and his musical ability to put shows on when he did movie promotion stuff. So I just loved, again, that kind of lateral thinking around how do I use my different skills to be better than the others or to do something different to the others in order to get where he needs to go incredibly driven and there's a lot in there that really shows the drive and the motivation that he has to succeed and to succeed for his his family and his people as well that he supports so really great book highly recommend reading like i said you can decide whether or not you would want to engage in that content given what happened this week but i want to still share it because it was a book i really enjoyed this quarter All right, number five, our final official one before I go off menu and give you a special sixth one is Imaginable by Jane McGonigal. I've been following Jane's work for a few years now since listening to her on the Tim Ferriss podcast and I I was very excited to see that she had a new book out. I loved it. I am obsessed. If you you know me, you are going to hear about this book many times. I've already sent copies of it to a couple of people. I've already recommended it to a couple of people before I'd even finished reading it. It is all, and I'm going to talk about this one on the podcast properly next week, so I won't do too many spoilers, but you might hear me raving about similar things. But it's all about imagining possible futures and probable futures as well. So the book is about how imagining and practicing different scenarios for future situations is really healthy it's really good for us and it helps us then when we are in those situations in order to to respond better to them she ran a simulation in 2008 about a a respiratory pandemic happening 10 years later so around 2018 and funnily enough obviously very something very similar happened and the participants the thousands of participants who went through that obviously then having hit the covid pandemic 2019 2020 2021 responded so many responded to her saying i wasn't as freaked out as a lot of my friends and family were because i felt ready for this like i'd practiced it i knew what was going to happen i knew what my role was and so they managed to you know they responded to it a lot better than maybe other people around them did so she puts forward obviously it's a bit on the why and why, why this is useful but then puts forward a number of different possible simulations or scenarios or futures that could happen in another 10 years time and some of them are incredibly confronting some of them are quite wild and you and some of them you think no no that couldn't happen but I think the the challenge is are you saying no no that couldn't happen or no no I don't want that to happen but actually when you look at them the signs and the signals are already there we are seeing signs that some of these things could happen and the idea is that you go through them and think about what you would do and how you would do that and she talks about all of that kind of stuff as well so like I said I'm going to share more about that one next week on the podcast loved love love this book it's one I'm going to be talking about and thinking about in terms of some of the work I do and in my own life a lot more I think over the next few weeks months and years 
So that was Imaginable by Jane McGonagall. I haven't spoken about this one yet, but I will be very soon. All right, your bonus sixth book. And the reason I didn't include this in the top five is because it's a little bit of a different book in terms of it's slightly more of a reference book rather than a kind of typical nonfiction business book. So this one is called Curious Acts for Creative People and it's by Sarah Greenberg, who is out of the Stanford D School, which is an organization I'm a huge fan of and use quite a lot of their work and reference quite a lot of their work quite regularly. The book is a, it's, it's kind of a handbook really for people who are facilitators or doing human-centered design or want to approach problem solving in different ways. So as a facilitator, I've already flagged a couple of pages. I'll tell you this, it's a book I actually, it's so beautifully designed, presented and put together. I couldn't even face turning the pages down. And if you know me, you'll know that I'm a big fan of turning down corners of, of books because I'm that person or writing in books and making notes in books. This one, I couldn't do that. So I actually got my sticky tabs out to to put little tabs in instead there's heaps of different facilitated activities you can do and you don't need to be a professional facilitator for many of them you could absolutely do them with your team things around problem solving things around bringing teams together things around making decisions and loads of stories scattered throughout about teams or groups who have taken the ideas and taken the concepts from design thinking or human-centered design and brought them to life together to solve really wicked problems in the world in society in their communities heaps of inspiration in here if you love that kind of stuff as i do you will really enjoy the book itself plus you may will take some ideas away as well if you're a leader who wants to lead in a more human-centered way or wants to have different conversations with your team, this will really lift the bar, I think, for teams, for leaders, for groups who are trying to do real chunky, difficult work by giving them different conversation starters and different maybe methods or frameworks to use in doing that. Highly recommend again. And like I said, it's a beautiful book. It's if you're again, if you love a good book and are kind of into the design of books as well, it's almost one just picking up for that, I think, or certainly having a look at. So that's Curious Acts for Creative People by Sarah Greenberg. All right, there we go. The best books I read in Q1 2022 over the last few months. It's been a good quarter for books. I'm pretty happy with these. By the way, my reading tally for 2022 so far is 17 books, some of which are audiobooks. I've been, if you've been following my bookmark newsletter, you'll know I've really got into audiobooks this year. Mostly been reading memoirs and autobiographies by musicians. That's actually the, the kind of biggest group or type of book I've been listening to on my audiobook, which I've been quite enjoying getting back into or getting into audiobooks for really the first time because they're not ones I've particularly just haven't really found my rhythm for previous to, to, to this year. Anyway, so the five or six books I talked about were Stolen Focus by Johan Hari, I Didn't Do the Thing Today by Madeleine Dorr, This Working Life by Lisa Leong and Monique Ross, Will by Will Smith and Mark Manson, and Imaginable by Jane McGonagall. And then your bonus book was Curious Acts for Creative People by Sarah Greenberg. I'd love to know what you've been reading this quarter. If you've read something great, contact me on Instagram or on LinkedIn. The links to, to my profiles are in the bottom of the show notes. I'd love to hear from you. What have I missed as well? If you've read something that you think I need to put on my bookshelf, then let me know. Those are the best places to contact me. But otherwise, until next time, happy reading.